Your state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. Here's McGowan's in transition for the Big Red. 13-9 Nebraska and May in with another three on the way. Got it! Holy smokes! Holy cow! That man is on fire. 14 points. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Oh, so good to be back with you here tonight. But I don't mind missing a show after what we listened to last night, a dominant Husker basketball performance as they whip the Rutgers Scarlet Knights and make it two in a row with Fred Hoiberg and the guys. So that's why we weren't here last night, but here tonight, talk a lot of Husker basketball. Chris Bazin of the Lincoln Journal Star are going to be with us here in a couple of minutes. That's his beat with the uh, Capital Cities newspaper is covering Husker bas- basketball. We'll get his take about what we've witnessed the last couple of days, which are some pretty impressive games against Minnesota and Rutgers. Hour number two, it'll be our first men's basketball show in over a month, and that's pretty obvious. They've been, been traveling and flying and playing games practically every night. Haven't had a chance to get one on, but we'll hear from Matt Abdelmasi. Tonight during hour number two, so get your comments, questions ready for the coach as he comes in after that win last night of a Rutgers. Hour three, Amy Williams will be here for her weekly show. Her and Matt Cotney will talk women's hoops and about the disappointment of not being able to play last Saturday against Michigan State. They have one game remaining. That is coming up Saturday night against the Iowa Hawkeyes in Iowa City. So women's basketball will be our topic in our number three. You want to be a part of the show, 531-500-4686. That is our Woodhouse Auto Family Sports Nightly Hotline, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. And also that number, 531-500-4686, doubles up. Uh, as a text number as well, if that works better for you, if you have some thoughts about some of the day's headlines. Ben, let's start with, and I, and I tweeted this last night, that was beautiful basketball, what we witnessed last night, and it sure backed up the win on Saturday night over Minnesota, which was an impressive win, but last night that group took it to another level as they just picked apart Rutgers, stretching a lead to as many as 30 at one point, they end up winning by 20. That was a thing of beauty. That was really entertaining to watch, and it was. I think the guys enjoyed it too. As, as they they had to enjoy what what they were doing to a really good basketball team, a team that's going to be in the NCAA tournament, I think, in in a couple of weeks. Yeah, man, it was it was unexpected. I don't think anybody turned the game on, and you know, obviously both teams wanted to win, but I, I don't know that you expected to see Nebraska win in that fashion. Uh, you know, you were kind of sitting back and watching the second half unfold, waiting for a Rutgers run, waiting for that um, that Nebraska cold spell to hit and Rutgers crawl back into the game. But it never came. This team just had the foot on the gas the entire time and and really put their foot on the throat of Rutgers. And, and we hadn't seen that out of this team uh, really since conference play started. And, 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 you know, you mentioned your tweet. I tweeted last night, too. Uh, the, the best part about the game wasn't the score. It was just to see the players and their excitement and just the joy on their faces. I mean, I'm as frustrating as this was, this season has and was for uh, for fans, 
and for us to watch, um, it was probably times 50 to 100 that than what the players were feeling, you know, having to, you know, get home at 2 o'clock in the morning on these road trips and, you know, have less than a day to prepare, less than a day to get your, your legs ready to go for another 40 minutes against a really good team and, you know, just another disappointing game pass you by and just have everything kind of stack on top of each other in the last month uh, on top of the, the, the COVID layoff couldn't have been easy for these guys to go through. And, 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 you know, for as much as we saw them smile yesterday, I'm sure a lot of days went by where there weren't a lot of smiles going around, going on in that locker room of guys just in, in the midst of a grind and trying to crawl their way out of a, what, what seemed at the time an insurmountable hole, right? They had the weight on their back of this losing streak and everyone kept talking about the last time they had won a conference game and, uh, how this was a record losing streak in the league and I mean, just the weight on their shoulders. And the problem was, Greg, there really wasn't a team that Nebraska played against that they were favored to beat. So, you know, every time that they were out there, they had to do something that nobody really expected them to do, which is win a game. Uh, but then to do it against Minnesota, a night and when Marcus Carr just went absolutely off, uh, Nebraska was able to withstand a, a late go for rally. But then to do what they did last night, and to see the smiles on their faces, to see some young players play in the game, to see other guys get going, to see the passing and the finishing and the team committing to the defensive end of the floor against a Rutgers team that's really hard to play against. That's a physical, physical, big team that a lot of teams just can't match in those areas. And, and Nebraska, on paper, should be one of those teams. But they just hit Rutgers in the mouth yesterday in the first media segment uh, particularly under the play of Lat May and, and never look back. And, and that, that's they led the entire game and they stretched it to, to 30 points, which is absolutely insane to think about. And, and those guys in that locker room deserved all 40 minutes that happened to them last night and you know their last game at home for the season. And they're going to remember that one forever. Hopefully the next time they're in that building, it's full of Husker fans. But at least they, uh, they finished it the right way at home with a, a couple of wins against minnesota and, and against rutgers so uh tip of the cap to them for the for their performance last night you mentioned lat nine of 11 from the four and you know he had, he had a couple dunks and layups but man he hit a couple of threes that were beautiful Derek walker seven of 11 from the floor the recipient of just some beautiful interior passing thor has just played at a at a high high level he's making all those plays that a lot of them don't show up in a box score but like tip deflecting a ball to keep an offensive possession alive, those type of things. Thor's is doing such a great job of that right now. They have found a group, and I felt that Saturday night watching the Minnesota game, I'm like, they found their group because it was senior night, and so they started all the seniors with Kobe Webster and, and Thor and Derek Walker, who's already said he's coming back, even though they, they went ahead and honored him the other night. But those three were in the lineup along with Lat and then McGowan's, and that clicked. And I was watching Saturday night going, they found it. They found the group that they can build around, and then they went out and did it again yesterday. Three wins now for this team since Valentine's Day. That's pretty nice. All right, it came, last night's game came on the heels of the announcement of the departure, Ben, of Teddy Allen. Less than a week removed from when he scored 41 points, the second-highest total in Nebraska basketball history, he decides to leave. Now, I think there's a lot of factors in this thing. I think he's not his, – his wrist is hurting. Uh, that's been openly discussed by Fred Hoiberg, that he's, he's not been comfortable. Um, 
But I also think, you know, I, I could almost see it in his body a little bit Saturday night when he didn't play a lot in the Minnesota win. And I think he, he didn't score in that game. You can almost see something clicked. And he said he did a lot of soul searching for the next couple of days. What's your take on, on the Allen departure with just about 10 days left in the season? I mean, this thing's going to be over next week when they go to Indianapolis, unless they win the tournament and get an automatic bid, which could happen. I don't expect that to happen. But this thing's going to be over in about 10 days. I, I, the timing seems odd to me. Yeah, I mean, I think we all would have loved for this news to have come after the season and, and him to just stick it out and finish it. To me, that, that this says that there are there are circumstances around Teddy's situation that this was the best situation for, for everybody, for the team and for Teddy. Um, you didn't want this becoming a distraction. You didn't want this uh, this player that at this point in time wasn't as bought in as he needed to be and wasn't, you know, going to be a contributor to this team in the ways that, that were necessary to continue this relationship. And that's unfortunate because, as you said, the, the season will, will be over likely in about a couple of weeks. So you would have loved to, to have this been talked about after the season was over. But, you know, to tell the story of Teddy Allen, I, I don't know that you can just start with the last chapter of the book. I think, you know, we, if we're talking about this, we need to go all the way back to the beginning of his recruitment to Nebraska and, you know, the chance that Nebraska took on him and the chance that he took on Nebraska. This is a guy that has a, a very detailed past and, you know, had had some baggage coming to Lincoln. I think he was looking for a place to accept him for who he is and the mistakes that he made. Nebraska made it clear that they were willing to give him a chance to come play um, at home, come play for, for the Huskers. And I think I, I do truly in the bottom of my heart believe that Teddy is grateful to everything that Nebraska, that they did for him and, and to the guy that we're going to talk here in about 45 minutes with Matt Abdel-Massey. Uh, and, and I think, you know, on the surface, this, this was a match that, that needed to happen. Nebraska needed to take a chance on a guy like Teddy. They didn't have enough talent on the floor a year ago. Teddy was a guy with talent. Teddy is a guy that can score. Teddy is a guy that can get you 15, 20, 25, even in one case 40 a night and help you win a game. So I think it would have been a big oversight for this staff to not show interest and uh, in, in taking a chance on a guy that's really going to help your basketball team and, and help your team on the floor and was looking to finish his career in college the right way. As I think we found out as the season unfolded, just because Teddy was a fantastic scorer and a good player, I don't know that the, that the fit – uh, for what Fred wanted to do was always a match made in heaven. I think at times that, you know, Teddy's kind of free spirit on the floor didn't jive with what what Coach Hoiberg has a pretty detailed and sophisticated offense. It didn't work all the time. It, it's not an office, offense conducive to dribbling the ball up the floor and getting up a three from 25 feet away seven seconds into the shot clock. There are some offenses where that's exactly what they want to happen. Take your best available shot as soon as you can get it. I just don't know that uh, it was necessarily the best case for Nebraska to be in. This isn't to, to sit here and judge what type of person Teddy Allen is. I, you know, I hope that Teddy Allen got what he needed to out of this place, and he feels at least fulfilled in that area, and now he can – turn his attention to 
his life and what what his next step is. All indications are he's going to try and graduate this year. He's going to you know try and get his diploma, and my guess would be to go try and play professionally overseas. That's what it kind of sounded like in the statements that were released yesterday. And I hope he I hope it works out for him. I hope for a guy that's been through more than a lot of us have been through in our lives in the last you know five to six years of his own that he finds his path and his path works out for him just because it didn't work out here at Nebraska doesn't mean he's a bad guy doesn't mean he was a a bad teammate that it was bad decision for the coaches to bring him in here I think it just was a situation that you know wasn't the best marriage and it was a shot worth taking because there were times where Teddy Allen really helped his basketball team a lot and they don't have him the rest of the way. I think this is the way that they probably will both want it at this moment. Um, but, you know, it, it, it is what it is at this point. And the Huskers have to move on. They played really well last night, and they have a season to finish. And as I said, I just really hope that Teddy Allen feels like he got what he needed from the staff, from this place, from this university, can get his degree, and can go move on with his life and, you know, go try and make a living playing basketball someplace else. Well put. Hey, buckle up and put the phone down. It's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Full show tonight, full show tomorrow night as we take a little break from all the games that have been heading our way. And we love the games, right? We love hearing all the broadcasts. And hopefully we get volleyball back on the court this week after not being able to play Wisconsin last week because of COVID. I've got some thoughts about COVID how it relates to the F word. We'll get into that later on in the hour. All right, when we come back, Chris Bassett of the Lincoln Journal Star will join us. We'll get his take on what's been a fabulous couple of days for the Oscar basketball team with those two wins. We'll talk to Chris next. Delighted to welcome to the program Chris Bazin of the Lincoln Journal-Star. One of his main beats is covering Husker basketball. And Chris, I had to get the guy who asked the best question last night at the press conference when you asked the head coach, what just happened? That was brilliant. Brilliant, my friend. <laughs> Sometimes the simplest question is the best one, Greg. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> no, and well, – uh, I thought, I thought his answer was great. You know, I'm not really sure is what he said. I don't think a lot of us are really sure what happened last night. I, I said this in our opening segment tonight. Um, senior night was Saturday with Minnesota. And when, that, when he trotted that group of five out there, and, and I don't know if you had the same thought when you were watching the game there at PBA or not, I'm like, I think he found something. I think he found a group that gels. Did that thought did that thought cross your mind at all, either in the Gopher game or last night? Yeah, it did, and a lot of that has to do with I think Thorir Thorbjarnarson starting to play really good basketball. And you know, we've heard Fred Hoiberg talk for two years now about how he loves the way that Thor cuts, the way he passes, the way he does all those little things that kind of keep the offense clicking and moving. And that's what you've seen uh, with him in the lineup. And Kobe Webster's just a guy that provides so much energy. And you know he can score from his time at Western Illinois, and he's shown that he can score at this level too. So you're not losing a lot of scoring, I don't think, with those two guys in the starting lineup. But what you are adding are, are a lot of the intangible things, the energy, the cutting, the passing, the the being in the right spot on defense, those sorts of things. So, yeah, I, I really like that lineup, and I like – Delano Banton and coming off the bench too, because all of a sudden now you're bringing a, a six foot nine point guard off the bench who's a matchup nightmare, and not a lot of teams have that. So I think it's worked out in a lot of ways for Nebraska. I think it's made them better offensively that lineup, and I think it's also allowed them to to be a little more versatile with what they bring off the bench as well. I'm glad you mentioned Banton because to me, not only is he not starting, but it seems like is he playing more off the ball 
in your eyes and maybe then being the main trigger guy with the offense? I think he is. Um, I think a lot of that depends on matchups, too. Uh, who's guarding who uh, as far as the opponent, who, who's guarding who on Nebraska and, and things like that. But I think that's helped him, too. I think he was maybe pressing a little bit, you know, having to be the guy that got Nebraska into the offense. And, and when Nebraska started to struggle on offense, he started to see uh, Delano Bant start to struggle on offense with a shot, with turnovers things like that. And and now you take a little bit of that pressure off of him. You just, you let him play ball. You know, if, if he's going to bring it up occasionally, that's great. But he's a guy that he's, he's like a lot of these guys. He can do so much. He rebounds, he blocks shots. He can get in passing lanes on defense. And it, it I think that's just, I think that move just freed him up a little bit. It allowed him to be, be more of a natural basketball player. Not that he can't play point guard, but I think it's allowed him to, to kind of just be a little bit more natural in the way he plays and allowed him to kind of, kind of rediscover himself here late in the year. How much better do you think they are now than they were right when they came back from the, the shutdown? I think they're a lot better. And, and I think the results show that, you know, um, it's, it's one thing to, you know, they won three games here the last couple of weeks. They take Illinois to overtime they they lose a narrow game to, to Penn State at home, but you can just see it. You know the 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 rust is knocked off, and I think what we saw last night was a team. Well, what we did see last night was a team playing its twelfth game, twelfth game in twenty four days, and looking like the fresher team, looking like like the more energetic team uh, than Rutgers, who had been off since you know the middle of last week essentially. So it, you can tell these guys have have kind of found something. They found they found the fun in the game again through this whole grind and part of finding the fun is playing good right and and getting better and seeing results and I think that's a big part of it too they've started to see that this work that they're doing is working and it's leading to positive things and that makes it a lot easier to to get yourself up for a game when you're playing every other night again visiting with Chris Bazzett of the Lincoln Journal Star here on Sports Honey Huskers have won their last two games get set to go face a really good Iowa team coming up in a few weeks I, I think it's been hard to judge them, Chris, this team over the last two months because the league is so good. I mean, you're talking about three legitimate top 10 teams, probably six legitimate top 25 teams. And when you're having to bang heads against that every night, it's kind of hard to tell where you are. Do you think the coach has a better handle on where things are now than he did maybe three, four weeks ago? Yeah, I, I think so. And I think that's just getting to know your team a little better. Like you said, the league is so good. And in this year the way that it's gone for Nebraska you know it's it's tough to judge them based on based on what they've done in the league because the league is so good and and you mentioned it you know you're looking at probably two number one seeds uh in the NCAA tournament coming out of this league and we don't know who those two teams are yet which shows you how good the league is there's there's going to be probably eight or nine teams in the NCAA tournament all the top 25 teams all the talent you know so so it's tough to tell but I think Fred's I think Fred's kind of discovered something about his team over these last few weeks with not being able to practice, you know, with with having to play a game every other day with with one day preps between games. And he's talked about all year how he loves the way his guys compete and how they show up every day and how they work. And they've kind of they've kind of proven that to be true. And and it's one thing for Fred to say that, but you, I, I you wonder if you totally believe it until you see it in action. But his team has started to prove that that that's what they are. That's what they do. They're this is a team that's going to grind and work hard. And I think Fred's found out that that he's got a team that if he can get them believing, then they can play with anybody in the conference. And they, they proved that with the close loss to Illinois and with the way certainly that they played last night. Yeah, no doubt. Chris Bazin with us from the Lincoln Journal Star. I, 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 I know Husker fans, and I know that coaching staff cannot wait for next fall to get here because for the first time since Coach Hoiberg 
stepped on this campus, he's going to have a base to build from. He, he, he's had to retool each of his first two teams. He won't have to do that next year as much. Obviously, there'll be new parts, but he'll have at least a base to build from. I want to get your thoughts about covering those games this year in that arena with nobody really there. How weird, how strange, how odd was that for you? It was it was really strange, and I, I think myself and a lot of us kind of got used to it. And then last night, you know, after the game was over, they started pulling out the bleachers for the the girls' state basketball tournament uh, to get ready for that for the next day. And and you just you kind it kind of hit me certainly that man this this is strange. It was strange to see all the seats out in Pinnacle Bank Arena, even just a little thing like that because we hadn't seen it all year. But yeah, it's it's it was a lot of little things. You know, the 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 pumped in crowd noise. You know, I can remember when they started out and didn't have any fans in there, and then a few family members started showing up, and you thought, well, that's a little strange. There's a few family members in here. And, and then, you know, pulling the bleachers out last night, the, the being able to hear the guys talking on the court and coaches yelling at players and things like that, it was, it was a unique experience. And I didn't realize, I think, how desensitized I had gotten to it in, until last night. Like I said, when you, when you start seeing the arena in its quote-unquote, you know, normal setup with all the bleachers, pulled out so yeah it's something i hope we don't have to do do ever again i hope there's sixteen thousand people in there hanging out with me next year but yeah it it was a it was a very strange year to cover all these games in in an arena with you know maybe a hundred other people total in the in the building was it more odd than than covering a football game in the fall in memorial stadium to me it seems like it was even more odd than that I, th- I think it was because, you know, as you know, at, at football games, you're in the press box anyway. So you're kind of, yeah. you know, you're kind of separated from the crowd. It's kind of quiet, you know, and, and in the in Pinnacle Bank Arena, you're uh, where the media sits there. You're right in the middle of it in in the lower bowl. And, and you you see the people reacting and you, you you're closer to the action and you're closer to the fans. You can hear what the fans are, are yelling or what they're saying to each other or hear them hollering at the refs or, or whatever it might be. So yeah, in a way it almost was a little more strange mm-hmm. because, you know, I yeah. think of, you know, going to Memorial stadium and it's, it's, it's quiet in the press box. Certainly you can, you can hear the crowd and, and hear the noise and things like that. But to me, it's, you're, you're a little more insulated in there being in that press box and, and Pinnacle Bank Arena. It's just, you're in the open, you're, you're in the, in the elements, so to speak. And, and there weren't, there weren't any elements this year to, to kind of deal with. Totally agree with you. And that's, that's the opinion I've gotten from a lot of people that it just was, it was even, it was bizarre covering football in those giant stadiums that were empty, but even basketball was a bigger, bigger deal. But it's because basketball is, I think, a more intimate sport because of the indoor part of that. Hey, we got a baseball team about ready to launch a season here in a couple of days. What, what, uh, what questions are you looking to get answered when this team, they take the field down there in Round Rock? Uh, what's the pitching staff going to look like, both starting rotation and, and the relievers? And obviously we, we heard the news today that Kobe Gomez uh, won't be able to pitch this year, and, and you feel really bad for him because he was coming off a really strong summer and looked like he was going to be a, a really key piece in that bullpen where he was so good as a freshman. So how do you you know, maybe fill those innings that, that he was going to take? What are some of these newcomers like Chance Rote going to look like? You know, What's a guy like Cade Povich going to do to kind of take the next step? And you know, when we saw Nebraska struggle last year, it was because that pitching staff struggled, whether it was walks or, or leaving the ball over the plate a little too much. So what kind of improvements is, is that part of the team made? Uh, I think the depth's better there, so they're going to have some more options there, both at, at starter and, and in 
in relief. You know, I'm interested to see what some of these young guys look like, a guy like Bryce Matthews, a guy like Max Anderson, how much are they going to play? What are they going to contribute? I think it's a really interesting team. Uh, And it's the same for, you know, pretty much every team in the country with the roster situations with so many guys coming back with so much depth and so many players. And, and certainly in the big 10 where you don't have a non-conference or midweek games to kind of ramp up, you got to figure it out fast. So yeah, I'm just, I'm really fascinated by how Will Bolt and his staff are going to fit this whole thing together. Cause I think there's some questions they need to get answered and they'll have to get them answered pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, we'll they'll all be out at Haymarket park in a few weeks to see that team. You mentioned chance Roke. Um, that's a pretty nice mustache. He has, how, how would you describe that thing? Uh, I, I think I tweeted it earlier today. He looks like he walked straight off the the gunfight at the OK Corral and showed up in Lincoln to start, you know, throwing some bullpens. So he's he mentioned he's he tried to compare it to Raleigh Fingers. I don't think he's quite there yet. Uh, he's got a little ways to go, but that's a, that's a pretty good one if if you're going to grow one. And it, you know what? If it works and and he's throwing strikes and getting guys out, then then keep growing that thing. I hadn't seen it till I saw those pictures today. My goodness, that's impressive. Chris, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, always appreciate you coming on. Yep, thanks. Appreciate the time. Tonight, it's the Nebraska Basketball Radio Show, right here on the Husker Sports Network. Banton comes to the left. They clear that side for him. Here comes the ball screen from the weak side. He rejects it. Got caught up on his hip. He goes to the block, kicks it out, measuring the three. Stevenson got it. Swish for Jamil Stevenson. A great execution by the Big Red. An inside look at what's going on around Nebraska basketball. Here's McGowan's in transition for the Big Red. 13-9 Nebraska. May in with another three on the way. Got it. Holy smokes. Holy cow. Lat man is on fire. 14 points. Tonight, assistant coach Matt Abdulmasi. Offensive board by Eduardo. Eduardo Andre takes it inside against Omoruyi. Wheels one way, then the other, and scores with the left hand. That is a senior move right there, my friends, by Eduardo Andre. Holy cow. Akeem Olajuwon dream shake down low. By the freshman, Eduardo Andre. Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at yourmidwestforddealers.com. Now here's your host of the Nebraska Basketball Radio Show, Ben McLaughlin. Thank you. Welcome to the Nebraska Basketball Radio Hour. Ben McLaughlin joined tonight by Nebraska assistant coach Matt Abdelmassi. We have you for the next hour here on the program. Invite you to call in. 531-500-4686, the number to get into the program tonight. Question or comment for Coach Abdel Massey, feel free to dial us up on our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. It's been a while since we've had a coach's show with men's basketball, and, you know, kind of ridiculous to, to, <laughs> to even suggest that we could have, given the schedule that this team has been on in the last month. Coach, let's just start first with how you're feeling. How, how you holding up after the last 30 days? Yeah, I mean, I know how we feel as coaches. I mean, it's definitely been taxing mentally and physically. Um, I can't, you know, for our players, that, that's where you really feel. And, and that's why it's just so gratifying to see them be rewarded with their play these last couple games because the one thing about this season for us with everything that's happened is every single night these guys have gone out and and competed. It's not like we're getting steamrolled every time we hit the floor. It's a one-two possession game. 
with eight minutes left. And, you know, we, uh, when you're trying to build and you're trying to find your identity, you know, ultimately you need a closer and you need to find ways to win games. And, you know, these last couple of games, we found that. So as taxing as mentally and physically as it's been nights like last night are all why we do this to see those kids smile and enjoy themselves because they deserve it so, so much. I put a tweet out, I think, with about eight minutes left in the game yesterday, Coach, basically saying that same thing. I know in the heat of the battle as a coach, you're you're worried about the next play, you're worried about matchups and subs and who's coming in, but were you able to just kind of take a second at all during the second half of that game and just embrace and soak in what was going on around you with your your team, everything that they'd been through really all season since uh, coming back from from COVID? I mean, were you able to, to sit back and enjoy that at all? The last couple of minutes, certainly, it was gratifying to see those guys enjoy themselves so much. You know, I, it, I'm not trying to lo- use any of the uh, cliches that are used so much, but we haven't really earned the right to, you know, sit there and, and celebrate before the game's over. You know, when we're trying to win games in the best conference in arguably college basketball history, you know, you need to see zeros across that that time. Um, and and then you can celebrate and you know certainly when we got back there it was it was nothing but positive vibes and um, you know the the enthusiasm that they had uh, was tremendous and they they're, they're believing like we've turned the corner where these kids believe that we can go out there and win any game that we play we've had so many close tough games wild endings that there's no doubt it's human nature to waver. And, and sit there and, and waver on whether you can win games or not in this league. And when you break through, we always felt that if we could just break through that door, we feel like we can take off. And to us, it's a great opportunity and, and great time to take off with uh, the remaining part of the games coming up into the Big Ten tournament. Coach, Coach Hoiberg, after the Penn State game, kind of said, said something similar. And, and I'm imagining I've been a part of teams that, that were like that and, and covered teams that, that have been like that, where as a coach you're, you're continually having to pass messages down to your players about keep, keep going at it, keep bringing it every night. And at, at some point you feel like you're talking to a wall and the players you know, going in, in one ear and out the other because you're, you're harping on the same message. But you, you got the sense that they were still playing hard after 40 minutes. What, what, you know, when, when you're having to, to pass these conversations down to the players of just keep doing it and they're not seeing the results, how difficult is that? And then what's the feeling, the follow-up question, what's the feeling when you finally see them believing and, and, and saying, yeah, what these coaches are saying is, is really true? So to me, internally, what makes us a lot different than a lot of people is we're very honest and transparent with our guys on a daily, consistent basis. And that has everything to do with the fact that you got to be realistic. And the bottom line is, is when we got here and what we, um, what we inherited and what we were trying to build, we knew that year two wasn't just going to flip the switch and we were going to you know, run for the hills and and be undefeated and compete for a championship. We knew that there was a process. We've been very transparent with our guys about that. And when you're trying to build that foundation of your culture and your identity, you know, there's going to be trying times where you sit there and question, are we doing it the right way? Are we, um, is our message being heard? That's the thing about this group is we've never, 
questioned whether they were hearing us. They've always been um, believing in what Coach Hoiberg has said from day one. They've never wavered on that whatsoever. And the second thing is is um, the confidence. They have nothing but confidence in themselves that we are good enough. We know that the talent in that locker room is good enough to play in the Big Ten, not only play in the Big Ten, but win in this league. So we always internally felt that once we broke down that door, we could take off. And, you know, we've not to make excuses because I can't stand them as a fan when your teams are losing. You know, you have the coaches sit there and, and try and throw every excuse and, uh, at you. For us, the reality is, is we were shut down for close to 30 days, and that really did interrupt the process of what we are trying to build and that foundation we are trying to set. And that's just call it how it is. And now we're finally hitting that stride. We have played a, an enormous amount of games in such a short amount of time, but their commitment to taking care of their bodies, their commitment to taking care of their mental state and their physical state, it's tremendous. And, you know, people on the outside, and it's rightfully so, don't understand the uh, work that these kids put in, especially when you're playing 14 games, 15 games in, in a month um, in the best conference in the country. They they deserve all the credit because they're preparing, most importantly, their minds to battle against the best teams in the country every night. Yeah, and one of those teams that is as difficult as any to prepare for and then to execute on the floor with how they play is Rutgers. Mm-hmm. They're not an easy team to blow out, Coach. Walk us through what uh, what it was like in the pregame. Did, did anything feel different, or did things just kind of unfold on, on the floor as they happened? Did you see that? I mean, it's hard to say you saw a 30-point margin at one point against Rutgers coming, but was anything different about pregame yesterday, or did things just kind of happen and more execution on the floor? You know, nothing's been different this entire year, which is why I think we've been able to overcome all the adversity that's hit us because that's, I feel like when you start failing is when you change things up and we never attempted to do that. We wanted our approach to be consistent going into the game. The biggest emphasis that coach really tried to hammer on these guys is limiting turnovers. If we limit the turnovers, we're going to have every opportunity to win the game because when we actually get a shot up, we finally turn the corner where our offense is starting to look like what a Hoiberg offense is supposed to look like. And I think people are starting to realize what that is, and it's clearly a very exciting brand of basketball that they get to witness. And uh, that, was the, that was the emphasis. Guys, we have to limit turnovers. We have to get back in transition and not allow them any easy baskets, keep it a half-court game because we feel like defensively, from a schematic standpoint, we can stop them and uh, move the ball. You know, we want a high assist total. When we move the ball, we're as lethal of an offense as there is. And it, it's been proven these last couple games. It's been proven in any of our wins. When we do share the ball, we limit turnovers. At the end of the day, I mean, you know this, following basketball and being involved with sports, you know, it's, it's not rocket science. It's, it can be really broken down to the most simplistic way possible and it is as simple as that i mean don't give the other team more opportunities and and don't create self-inflicted wounds for yourself and we feel like we can we can roll with anybody in uh in the conference 
Dorothy Lynch home style and lean and light dressing, endless flavor abilities. Coach Abdul Massey, our guest here on the Nebraska Basketball Radio Hour. Coach, you talked about the defensive effort on, on the floor. Let's let's talk to that on the floor here for a second. It, it was clear the guys were just so tenacious yesterday. They were committed. The communication was there. They were rebounding well. How much progress have you seen in that area from last year to this year and, and just the buy-in factor? Because a lot of times that's what it is. got to want to play defense. How yeah. have you seen that improve from last year to this year? Yeah, I mean, it's been phenomenal. And, and that's just the growth of what when you're trying to build a program from the ground up. That's, that's what we emphasize is giving that consistent effort because certainly from a defensive standpoint, from a rebounding standpoint, um, you know, you certainly have to be bought in. And from a schematic standpoint, I mean, Coach and Doc have done a phenomenal job of, of putting our guys in successful positions on the floor. Um, the game plan, discipline that the guys have really locked in on on a daily basis, because that's the thing when you're playing so many sh- games in a short amount of time, the game plan discipline has to be there. It's such a limited opportunity to lock in in that short time so they, to have that, you have to be bought in because you can sit there and be psychologically checked out. We have no shot to win in this league if, if you approach it that way. So that's been the thing that has been so impressive uh, night in, night out, preparing for these teams with the scouting report and the schemes that are thrown at them. Um, but, yeah, you know, we're, we, you see this year consistently that the five guys on the floor are, are together. And that's what makes a really good defensive team when you have no kinks in the armor and they're all locked in, all five together. you got a shot to win a lot of games. Tonight, it's the Nebraska Women's Basketball Show right here on the Husker Sports Network. One dribble, throws down low. Pass for Kane, out to the top of the key. Is he forward for three? You betcha! Nebraska has the lead! Izzy hits a triple! Our weekly look inside Husker Women's Basketball. Throws to a back-cutting Sam Hyde. It closed up, and it counts! And a foul! Highlight real finish! Sam Hyde flying away from the rim and falling down, threw it up, and it went in. Are you kidding me? With the head coach, Amy Williams. Throws it out top. Sam Hybe, can she hit the three? You betcha! Sammy knocks down her fourth three. That's a career high. Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at yourmidwestforddealers.com. Now here's your host, Matt Coatney. Hey, if it's March, we should be talking basketball. It is March and... This is the Nebraska Women's Basketball Radio Hour, and we will have Coach Amy Williams with us for the entire hour. And you can visit with the coach, 531-500-4686, on our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline. That's also our U.S. Cellular Text Line, 531-500-4686. And the Girls State High School Basketball Tournament is underway. I know Amy Williams was able to see some of that today, but I'm really interested, Amy, if you can remember years ago what was your first memory or feeling about march madness when i say march madness do you you remember the first time that meant something to you was it local state high school where you were growing up or was it the ncaa or or what what remembrances do you have when when basketball was just becoming something in your life of march madness yeah to be honest matt my earliest memories that i can even you know go back to are 
you know, thoughts of March Madness. I vividly remember um, when I was real young, uh, before we moved even out to the Black Hills of South Dakota, and my dad was the head coach at Madison High School up in South Dakota, and I very vividly remember wearing um, coaches' kid T-shirts to his state tournament games um, and just feeling so proud to kind of march around and, and be, you know, wearing the Madison Bulldogs shirt, but uh, being the coach's kid and, um, and just, you know, kind of the, just the, the feeling that was kind of would come over our house during that time of year, just, you know, when there was just a little more on the line and, it was state tournament time and, and, you know, something that uh, are some of my earliest memories. For me, uh, I go back to watching games in the Checker Dome on TV when Eddie Sutton was coaching Arkansas, but it all kind of came together when Magic uh, Johnson and Larry Bird met in that great 1979 championship uh, game. And uh, when, uh, when Nebraska played at Utah many years ago, and I got to, that's where that championship was. It meant something to me because I remember watching that on TV as a as a very young man. Well, this is the Nebraska women's basketball radio show. We're into March, and uh, boy, something very strange happened this past Saturday. The Huskers were all set to host Michigan State for uh, Senior Day, final regular season game at PBA, and I can't ever remember Amy Williams coming on the air to announce that a basketball game wasn't going to be played. So uh, I did that. I've done rain delay theater uh, for basketball <laughs> conference tournaments. I remember um, I did the world's longest pregame show at Oklahoma City one year at the Big 12 tournament one year when uh, Baylor and K-State went to double overtime and we had to come on the air. I've had plenty of experience with baseball and softball broadcasts being rained out, but uh, this Michigan State situation was a new one. Senior day and your team Sunday was was out on the floor. You know, I was I was uh, going to call this game remotely from our Husker Sports Network studios. I saw them warming up uh, about forty five minutes prior to game time, and then you know, just what led to the to the game not being played then. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, not uh, probably unlike some things that have happened this year. It's just, you know, been such a crazy year and kind of up and down. And we have felt so fortunate to make it to our final two ball games, and we hadn't had any conference plays, uh, conference games um, disrupted, you know, due to COVID. And we were just kind of trucking along and feeling really good about things, and and um, our team really motivated to uh, to play that game. And and um, uh, probably about an hour and twenty minutes before tip, um, I got a phone call that there was some concerns about the fact that. Minnesota was canceling their game with Michigan as well on Saturday and Minnesota had been our previous opponent and um, they had had a couple of positive tests in the couple of days following our game up there at Minnesota and so that was the uh, concern that was brought up and um, and you know wanting to err on the side of caution uh, they made some decisions and talked to medical professionals on both sides and uh, made the decision to delay the game or, or postpone or cancel the game. And so was there ever any consideration to this game being rescheduled? You know, when I look at it, your team 
has the entire week available. Michigan State doesn't have a game until Friday in East Lansing against Wisconsin. Was there ever any talk about this one being rescheduled uh, somehow? Well, certainly we have um, tried to have discussions or lead to discussions. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, as I mentioned, we're extremely motivated to want to play this game. And and so, um, you know, we had – you know, tried to pursue every avenue that we could to to see if that could happen. You know, we we wanted to see about, you know, if we PCR uh, COVID tested on this day, you know, would we be, you know, safe to be able to play the game at any point and, and um, you know, trying to pursue um, any option that both sides could agree to. And um, we just were not able to come to a resolution. 531-500-4686. If you'd like to visit with Amy Williams, uh, that's also our U.S. Cellular uh, text line. Uh, the Huskers are 11-10 overall, 9-9 in the Big Ten at Iowa Saturday night, 7 o'clock Central. And, uh, you know, the old adage has always been, when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. So even though the, the game didn't get played um, on Senior Day, you were still able to hold the Senior Day ceremonies and i just thought this was exceptionally done and uh really just a tremendous ceremony you had a lot of family members of players in from out of town i know that kate kane had her family in all the way from new york you had to feel pretty good that you still got that ceremony in didn't you i feel really good that we were able to get that part in i mean um you know obviously uh at the moment when i had to inform our team that the game was not going to be um, played. There were lots and lots of, of tears, and, and particularly from Kate Kane. And, um, you know, and that was a very hard conversation to have. But uh, the one thing that, you know, we really talked about as a team is just, you know, we need to control what we can control. And um, one thing that we did have control over was finding the best way that we could uh, apart from, being able to send our seniors out on a win um, to be able to uh, celebrate them and still kind of um, make mention and, and find ways to um, uh, to really acknowledge and, and thank them for all of their contributions to our program and to um, uh, to do that, you know, was was kind of, you know, I think the best thing that could have come out of it and, and finding ways to control what we could control and um, do the best we could to really honor people that have meant a lot to us. 531-500-4686 is the Sports Nightly Hotline. It's brought to you by Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. That's the number if you'd like to visit with Coach Amy Williams. Uh, for that senior day ceremony and, and for the game that you, you thought was going to get played, you had Taylor Kissinger uh, in uniform for the first time this year. Uh, this is... Uh, the player from Minden who, you know, retired over the summer with the hip injury. And I don't think uh, a lot of our fans realize that she's been with the team all year and, and been, been helping the team out. Maybe if, if you could take, take it for a moment, um, why did you decide to put her in uniform and, and maybe just tell everybody what all she's been doing with the team this year? 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I think Taylor had to make probably one of the hardest decisions of her life when uh, the time came that her body was really telling her that, um, you know, after this hip surgery and, and everything she'd been through with injuries, that it was time to hang up her shoes. And I think that was that, you know, I was involved in every step of that process. And I know just how agonizing that um, decision was for her. And um, but knowing that, she was able to step over into a uh, administrative role and, and knowing that, you know, she really is not ready to kind of give up basketball and, and wanting to be able to pursue um, a job in the profession and, you know, thinking about wanting to do, you know, uh, basketball operations, that type of a role for um, for her future, um, it did provide her an opportunity to really kind of step into a role where she could, um, she helped us a lot um, all season, just um, kind of the jack of all trades. She was kind of a assistant video coordinator for a while. She really helped with kind of um, learning how to, how to work on all of our video editing um, equipment and put together, you know, uh, little clips and scouts and edits that our coaching staff needed. And then, um, you know, kind of stepping over and helping our um, director of basketball operations, Amanda Hart, and and providing kind of a, a, a support there and, and maybe a assistant director of ops at times. And, and Amanda was really good about really, you know, giving her some responsibility and teaching her about, you know, um, travel planning and the things that go into arrangement of a trip and all the things and details that need to happen uh, to, to make things go off smoothly in that realm. So um, Taylor was just very, very involved with our program behind the scenes and, you know, something that um, we were very grateful to her for um, providing that. And I think she was grateful for the experience, but um, one way or the other, it didn't erase um, what she's meant to our program and the things that she's been able to accomplish. And we just thought kind of a, a special way to honor um, the the contributions that she has been able to make, you know, when she was healthy um, on the basketball court. And, and one way to do that was to put her in that uniform one last time and, and give her that opportunity to kind of hear her name called and, and um, you know, say goodbye, uh, you know, for and thank you for everything she's done. Yeah, you know, you talk about uh, the Kissinger family. That's three of uh, uh, the Kissinger sisters who wrapped up uh, their college career there this weekend at PBA. It, um, I, I want to talk a little bit about your managers. You always uh, make a point of honoring your student managers on senior day. Um, no one got to hear my pregame interview with you before Michigan State since the game didn't get played, but um, you, you honored those uh, you honored three of your managers on on Sunday. What can you tell fans who really don't realize what what your managers mean to your problem to your program? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's hard to really put into words and and measure how much they they mean for our program and how much they do and how how, how important. Um, and how much, you know, our, our team as a whole and our staff really values their contributions. And um, this year we were able to, to honor two managers that kind of had a unique role. But with the pandemic this year, uh, the NCAA rules allowed for us to utilize our managers as also um, practice players or um, kind of what we sometimes call like uh, the male practice team or scout scout team members and um, 
And we had a couple of guys that were stepping into that role as managers that also served as scout team and um, male practice player and um, the contributions they make just to give us extra bodies in practice. And, um, you know, but what people don't really understand or realize is, you know, not only are they taking over all the managerial duties and uh, setting up for practice and, you know, taking care of equipment and, you know, all of this, the tasks that we have for them, then they're uh, practicing and getting beat up and by our girls yeah. and you know and um and in addition to that oh yeah you need to come in and daily test just like everybody else in our tier one and you need to you know our days off sometimes we're you know having to make special trips in just to you know covid test and and they have to do all of that as well so a lot of sacrifice that's made and and we're just um so appreciative we know that we could never accomplish what we do without them um and then uh christina baton who is just um been a rock star uh, addition to our coaching staff over the last couple of years. And she just is, um, she's just really been up for whatever, you know, she's kind of the jack of all trades. She helps with recruiting. She helps with uh, social media. She helps with video. She helps with, uh, you know, um, kind of overseeing our managers, you know, anything that we need help with, she stepped in and just always, you know, it's never been, um, you know, a question you know she'll just step in and whatever needs to happen yeah I can do that I can do that and um she's been an absolute rock star addition to our staff so it was fun to be able to honor her as well buckle up and put the phone down a reminder from the NDOT highway safety office 531-500-4686 we'd like to visit with Amy Williams tonight all right all week long fans have been asking me about the NCAA eligibility waiver and um, what's happened this year that allows everyone really to get an, the year back, including the seniors. And they've been asking me about Kate Kane. You wanted her on senior day. Uh, has there been any talk about her future? Do you know what her plans are? What conversations have you had? That's, that's what fans ask me about all the time, Amy. Yeah. You know, Matt, um, Kate and I kind of uh, made an agreement before this season even started. Just, um, you know, we had some discussion about that issue. And um, basically, as soon as the NCAA kind of um, made that um, a, a possibility for kids like Kate in her in her position, and we just agreed that, you know, it was a decision that there was no reason to um, – to really have to have an answer to what was going to happen to that until uh, until we see how this season wraps up and and um, you know what kind of opportunities are going to be available to Kate um, you know beyond Nebraska or if you know the best position is for her to uh, to return to Nebraska and I think all of that is going to be best be answered you know once the season is over we had some discussions about that very early in the process and basically agreed to just kind of put that to the back burner until we see how everything wraps up and so uh, for us you know um, we most definitely wanted to honor her on senior day her traditional senior day uh, just in case um, that um, after this season is wrapped up and she is able to kind of look and pursue um, what future opportunities are going to be available to her if something is really just um 
you know, awaiting her that is, you know, just, you know, just seems like the perfect door that's opening and that she wants to pursue and walk through, then we're going to 100 percent support her in that. Um, And if it turns out that uh, the best thing for her is to stay at Nebraska and uh, finish her master's degree and complete um, that work and play one more season of college basketball before she uh, moves on to try to pursue a professional career, then we're going to support that as well. So um, I think the good thing is that um, we're all kind of on the same page, that none of that needs to be decided uh, right now at this time. And the best thing we could do was to honor her on senior day, just in case, um, just in case that was the, the last opportunity we have to uh, to do that and honor her. Um, and then at this point, you know, we'll wait and see what kind of opportunities are going to uh, present themselves. And I think for Kate, the right path will um, will really lay out in front of her exactly what she's supposed to do.